welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown. I am your wrapped-up host, Gary, to tell you about cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. Today, I am joined by my creature of the night wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Hello, Goldie Ann. That's probably more fitting than most introductions of me. Being creature of the night? Yeah. Daytime is not usually your strong suit. No. Special announcement. The Within the Mist podcast will be recording our very first live show at Paracon 2023 to be held on Saturday, October 14th. Mark your calendars and join us at the historic Heard Opera House in Arcadia, Florida. We will be joined by our show sponsors, Feeling Paranormal, and guest speakers such as Mid-Florida Bigfoot, Past is Present, Tripping on Legends, Florida Paranormal Investigators, and Outcast Paranormal, to name a few. There will be raffle prizes, demonstrations of ghost investigation equipment, and the opportunity to share your paranormal encounters on our show. Be sure to check the links in the show notes for more details. With that in mind, Goldie Ann, I really looked and I wanted to tell you a joke about mummies, but I think they get a bad rap. Oh my gosh. That's your joke this time? You didn't laugh. No, that's true, so it must have been. You never laugh. <laughs> yeah, uh, true. Today's episode involves chilling encounters with a madman or a ghostly spirit that attacks people who drive along the road during stormy nights. These may be upsetting to some of our listeners. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. Cannon Beach, a picturesque Oregon town between the Craggy Coast Range and the Pacific Ocean, lures locals and tourists alike. Its sandy shoreline is dotted with tide pools that teem with ocean life, including anemones, mussels, sea stars, and crabs. Locals gather along the shore every evening to share stories and enjoy the warm, salty air. However, to get there, you'll likely need to take Highway 101. It may look like an ordinary highway during the day, but it's rumored that a mummy-like ghost wanders around at night, hunting for its next target. This entity is encased in bandages, disfigured and twisted to appear to be a mummified corpse. Its movements are jerky and staggered, but it moves with surprising speed. It's surrounded by a horrid stench powerful enough to bring tears to the eyes and make it difficult to breathe. It smells of death, decay, and rot, a warning that a violent attack is imminent. So, join us today as we delve within the mists of Oregon and search for the Bandage Man. See anything like the Kool-Aid man? Not even close. Oh, okay. 
I don't even think most of our audience even remembers who the Kool-Aid Man is. Um, I would think so. Oh my gosh, I'll just prove him wrong. Post about, I mean, go to our Facebook page and just tell us how many people know who the Kool-Aid Man is. Blow it up. But first, a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. Chapter 1. The Accident at the Sawmill It was during World War II, and the smell of freshly cut timber permeated the air as the sawmills in Oregon labored to meet the demands of wartime construction. With heavy industrial machinery clanging away in the background, these mills geared up for wartime production. Time was of the essence, and therefore the men and women worked long hours, sometimes around the clock. Their callous hands gripped the handles of steam-powered saws that roared like dragons. Despite safety warnings, accidents occurred more frequently, with workers losing fingers, or worse, in the blink of an eye. The rain had been coming down for days, and the logs were slick underfoot. As a logger worked, he slipped from one to another. His momentum propelled him towards the sharp blades of the sawmill, and his body crumpled and contorted as he desperately tried to avoid being sliced open by the blades. The whirling saw tore through his skin with a sickening slice, leaving deep gashes down his entire body. He screamed in agony that echoed throughout the forest. As his workers frantically called for an ambulance, others tried to stop the bleeding from the deep gashes that covered his entire body. His skin was oozing with the deep cuts. Within minutes, the medics arrived and immediately began wrapping him tightly in white gauze, starting with his head and winding it around his body like a cocoon. The whirling siren of the ambulance faded into the distance as he raced along Highway 101. In a matter of moments, wet leaves had caused enough slickness on the asphalt to send the ambulance careening around a bend near Canyon Beach. Tires screeched in protest as the paramedics inside braced for an impact. The vehicle flipped sideways and crashed into a tree alongside the slopes. The police arrived later as the rain finally began to subside. The officers followed the faint cries for help, which grew louder as they approached. They found two medics injured on the ground, their faces pale and breathing shallow. The logger, however, wrapped in bandages, was nowhere to be found. The search party combed the dense forest for three days, their voices echoing in the early morning fog. Even with flashlights and tracking dogs, the badly injured logger was nowhere to be seen. As evening fell on the third day, the search was called off. All roads led to dead ends. No one had seen him enter any hospital, and it seemed like the only resolution would be to find his lifeless body. Nothing of his was found except a small piece of a bloody bandage, hinting at his grievous injuries. 
If you thumb through the yellowing pages of the newspapers, noting articles about crashes along Highway 101 with headlines such as multiple injuries after devastating crash and seven people dead in horror accidents. How old are these newspapers? Datelines list disasters after disasters on Highway 101 ranging from the 1930s to the 1960s. In fact, one article from 1954 named a portion of the curving road Death Row. Could there be a connection between the missing bandaged man and these accidents? So far, you've not given me anything to think so. <laughs> right now, I'm thinking he's dead in the woods and he got ate by the wolves. Well, then let me change that for you. Chapter 2. An Attack on Lover's Lane The pickup truck's engine sputtered to a stop as they arrived at the destination, a secluded section of Cannon Beach on Highway 101. It was a secluded spot where the two young people could be all alone. Everything about the location made it ideal for romance. The wind's call was like a whisper, a soft rustle that lingered in the air. Not quite a breeze, but something different. It was only when it stopped that the silence of the night was revealed, and the two heard the faint rustle of something else in the woods. It seemed to originate from the darker portions, its eerie effect growing ever closer, like a ghostly presence slowly approaching. The pungent smell of decaying flesh filled the air, heavy and putrid, like a mix of rotten eggs and sour milk. The stench was so intense that it made their eyes water and their nose wrinkle in disgust. The smell seemed to intensify when this violent shaking of the truck began, making the already foul stench even more unbearable. An ominous figure appeared from the shadows outside. It loomed in the darkness with a tall, gaunt frame. Bandages were tightly wrapped around the dark figure's body, faded and ripped, with patches of dry blood throughout. The bandaged man's vacant eyes bore into them through the window, like two empty pits of darkness that seemed to radiate sinister and menacing energy. His torn lips pulled back in an eerie sneer, revealing yellowing teeth that seemed to glint menacingly in the moonlight. The bandaged man gave a piercing shout as he climbed into the back of the pickup truck and beat his wrapped fists against the truck's metal roof, shouting obscenities. The young driver turned the key in the ignition and the engine roared to life. He shifted the vehicle into gear and slammed his foot onto the gas pedal, tires squealing as the pickup truck hurled forward. His girlfriend shrieked in terror as the wrapped fists pounded relentlessly on the back window, leaving her no time to properly buckle in. The boy jerked the steering wheel, and the vehicle screeched from left to right as it hugged the curved in the road. Heart pounding, he glanced in the rearview mirror, expecting to see a monstrous creature devouring them with each passing second. His girlfriend clutched his arm, her knuckles white, as she recalled the terrible accidents on this road. And now she knows why. 
She knew that they should slow down, but neither of them wanted to wait around to find out what the creature in the back of their pickup truck would do next. The miles flew by as they traveled down the winding coastal highway, the sky gradually lightening with the sunrise. Finally, after an eternity of driving, they reached Cannon Beach. The boys' family service station was sandwiched there between two other buildings, one being a small white cottage where the family lived just off to the side. The truck's engine rattled to a stop, and the young driver stepped out into the morning light. In the back of the vehicle, he could see nothing but shadows. He pushed them aside with his hands, looking for any sign of the bandaged figure. His fingers brushed something cold and wet. He pulled it out into the light to discover that it was a scrap of fabric from the figure's bandages, tinged with the rust-colored blood. Now, the linkage of the bandage man with Hollywood has been widely suggested, as Highway 101 was completed in 1926, followed by the Universal Pictures 1932 release of The Mummy, featuring Boris Karloff. The horror trope of a bandaged man attacking young couples on a dangerous road is often used to warn young people. However, for the inhabitants of Cannon Beach, this just isn't fiction. It's reality. In fact, the bandage man has been known to attack more than just lovers. Who else? Well, of course I'm going to tell you who else. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought you were going to say something else. You're like, you just stopped. Well, I kind of wanted to hear what you thought of the lover's lane bandage man. Um, the lover's lane bandage man or the lover's lane overall is overdone. Continue. Chapter 3. The Truck Driver Since that time, the bandage man has been spotted attacking cars along Highway 101. It's said that his presence may have caused more collisions and a few fatalities. He seems intent on opening the doors or smashing windows to pull drivers and passengers out of their vehicles. What this figure plans to do with them remains a mystery. As no one has ever experienced an encounter with the bandage man and has stayed to find out. So he pulls them out of their vehicle and what? They just, they're able to take off? Most of the legends say that he attempts to pull them out of their vehicle and they escape. Okay. The ones that he does pull out of the vehicles tend to be grouped into all the number of fatalities and accidents uh, along Highway 101. Okay. And so it's never been proven that the bandage man did it or not. All that is certain is the damage left behind on the vehicles themselves. But it is not just romantic teenagers that come in contact with the bandage man. Reddit users have posted their stories. Some do not even involve a car. For example, one truck driver who has traveled up and down Highway 101 for 15 years shared his own experience. He drove a semi-truck along the dark highway, headlights barely piercing through the thick fog and only illuminating a stretch of the road at a time. Despite the darkness, he could still see the rocky shoreline shimmering in the pale moonlight. 
The country music played softly in the cabin, its twanging notes oscillating between lonesome croons and upbeat refrains. The music provided a comforting backdrop to the driver's journey, filling the miles with a gentle reminder of home. He drove for hours, and every minute of it feeling increasingly uncomfortable. He fumbled with the gear shift when the road straightened out and flipped on his hazard lights. Pulling off to the side, he jumped out of the cab, his bladder aching with relief as he looked to find a secluded spot behind some shrubs. Sounds like it's all pretty darn secluded. I'm sure he didn't have to walk very far. Realizing just how chilly the night air was, he grabbed his jacket. It was a worn and weather-beaten, but its thick insulation and durability provided a sense of warmth and protection against the chill of the night air. Its coarse fabric was rough to the touch, providing an extra layer of security against the unknown. He zipped up his jacket and stepped away from the truck, trudging through the forest looking for relief. The tall trees were barely visible. With only the light of the full moon to help him, he searched for a secluded spot. After a few minutes, he zipped up and adjusted his belt. About to return to his truck, he heard a strange sound, a distant rustling catching his attention, coming from behind the bushes nearby. The noise echoed throughout the night air, a sharp and rhythmic crashing of metal on wood. It sounded like a heavy axe, slicing and shattering the stubborn wood. The sound was accompanied by a light thud every time the metal hit its target. Each swing was like a drumbeat, accompanied by the deep echoes. The chopping was steady and robust, with a deep rhythm that was unmistakable in its power and purpose. The truck driver, reckless and oblivious to the danger of the unknown, made his way along the winding trail deeper into the forest. He ambled along, eyes searching for the source of the sound, which seemed to get louder with each passing moment. He was confused as to why someone would be chopping wood at such a late hour, in such an isolated area. There were hints of a light flickering in the distance coming through the dense foliage, its source still a mystery. He saw a big burly shadow swinging an axe against a tree in the darkness. The colossal silhouette was a vision of strength and power. He was illuminated by an unknown source of light that made him look almost ethereal in the shadows. His body was massive and his muscles bulged with each swing of the heavy axe as he chopped into the stubborn wood. His eyes seemed to burn with a primal fire and his skin glowed in the dim light. He was a force to be reckoned with, an avatar of raw power in the night. The trucker's heart beat faster, and despite the chill of the night air, sweat formed on his brow. He watched the figure raise the axe high above its head and bring it down into a nearby tree with a loud thud. He felt his throat tighten, and knew he should be scared. But instead, he yelled out, Want me to help you swing that axe? What's he need help for? He's doing just fine himself. 
The axe stilled immediately and the figure turned to face him, revealing its terrifying visage. The logger's body was covered with deep, jagged cuts, some of them deep enough to see the ragged edges of the wounds beneath. Blood was seeping through some of the bandages covering his body. Still bleeding after all this time? His skin was mangled and torn as if someone had thrown him into a wood chipper. His face was distorted and misshapen. He looked like a walking corpse, an inhuman being whose only purpose was to destroy. The stench of death surrounding the figure was a thick, oppressive smell. It was like stepping into a morgue. It was a smell of decay, of rot and putrefaction. It was the smell of death itself, clinging to the creature's body like an invisible shroud. The man felt his heart sink as he realized he had made a grave mistake. He slowly backed away from the bandaged man, who was silently swaying an axe in one hand. The nightmare's lips curled back as he began to growl like a rabid dog, his voice reverberating off of the trees. Adrenaline coursed through his veins as he feared being chased, and he quickly turned to run. He zigzagged wildly in the darkness, dodging trees and shrubs and trying to keep ahead of the bandage man. Yeah, I hear if you run and zigzag, they can't catch you. That is his strategy. That and the fact that he doesn't want to run into a tree. His lungs burned with each breath, and his heart pounded like a drum as he ran for what seemed to be an eternity. His skin began to crawl with dread, heavy footsteps pounding against the ground. His pace quickened as he sprinted wildly between the darkness until he saw the faint twinkle of red and blue lights in the distance. His semi-truck came into view and he felt an overwhelming sense of relief. The driver sprinted to his truck, yanking on the handle and sighing with relief when it opened. He quickly jumped inside and fumbled for the key, jamming it into the ignition and breathing heavily as he locked the doors. His chest heaved up and down like a bull, steam rising from his nostrils. He watched in horror as the bandage man rushed out of the woods towards the truck, a torn rattle of white fabric and writhing arms. The driver had just started the engine, but it was too late. Just as he began to pull away, the spirit bashed his forehead into the side window with a resounding thud that sent spiderweb-like fractures across the glass. The man slammed his foot on the gas pedal and the truck roared away from the bandage man. The dust settled and in the side mirror he could still see the figure galloping alongside the vehicle, wielding a blood-stained axe. He drove a few miles down the twisting Highway 101, one hand on the steering wheel and the other wiping sweat from his forehead. He pulled over to the side of the road, opened the door and stepped out into the humid air. He surveyed the damage to the front of his truck, some missing paint, scrape across the bumper. Then he thought he detected a faint yet familiar smell. It was that same rotting stench he had picked up earlier. 
Fear seized him as he scrambled back into his truck and sped away, this time not stopping until he was safely back in civilization. So what do you do when a angry mummy attacks your vehicle? Try to think of something clever. <laughs> You've seen enough horror movies. You should this should be like you should this should be class 101 for you. I'm just trying to figure out how a, an 18-wheeler sped off. I I've, I've been behind them suckers. They ain't no speeding off anywhere. That is true. Well, that's probably why the bandage man was able to catch up with him. Mm. But let's continue on with chapter four, the rite of passage. In the 1960s, tales of the bandage man circulated wildly. It became a test to prove your mettle, to take your car for a drive along the dark parts of Highway 101, particularly when it was raining, to see if you had what it takes to confront the bandage man. The 16-year-old boy stood defiantly in the middle of the group, his feet spread apart and arms crossed. He tried to appear tough by puffing out his chest and curling his lip into a smirk. School friends all around him nodded along with what was being said, while some of the older boys from the school sneered. The older kids drove him out to a stretch of Highway 101, with a reputation for danger. Even during the daylight hours, the road showed evidence of wrecks and skids. Shards of metal and glass glinted among the weeds along the roadside. Derelict cars stretched out like wounded beasts. Every year as he grew up, his friends would share a new, blood-curling tale about the man in bloody bandages that stalked cars down the highway after dark. Whenever he would hear a car approaching at night, he couldn't help but glance anxiously out of the window to ensure that it wasn't the dreaded figure of legend. As a small child, the stories of the bandage man gave him nightmares. Now, a teenager old enough to possess his own driver's license, he was to drive along the highway in the middle of the night, as if testing his courage against the specter of sphere that seemed to be waiting for him on the winding mountain roads. He wanted to prove to himself and his classmates that he was no coward. He crawled into the driver's seat of his father's car, feeling the smooth leather beneath him, and eyed the speedometer. The eldest boy in the group explained that he had to drive to a checkpoint about five miles down at a very sedate pace. He had warned about sightings of the bandage man on the journey. But if he arrived too soon, it would prove that he was a chicken. His friend opened the car door and slid in beside him, bringing with him a gust of bitter winter air. The boys started the engine, the headlights illuminating the long stretch of highway ahead. Gripping the steering wheel as the car crawled away, both were excited about what lay ahead. The night's cool air caused a thick blanket of fog to drift out from the trees in the nearby woods. Everything seemed to obscure the moon and the stars. The car's headlights illuminated the blackened atmosphere and cast an eerie yellow glow on the winding road ahead. There were no streetlights, only darkness 
and a sense of dread in the unknown. The crowd of schoolboys at the starting line faded into the horizon of the rearview mirror. The car crawled along the tree-lined road, its speedometer hovering at four miles per hour. The two boys laughed at what they thought was a safe adventure. They were too grown up to believe in ghost stories, yet their eyes darted around the darkening landscape and they only spoke in hushed tones. As they drove through the stillness of the night, the driver heard a light rustling, like leaves brushing against each other in the wind. His laughter died away and his voice became barely audible as he was afraid to break the eerie silence of the night. The minutes felt like they were stretching on forever, yet there was still no sign of any other cars or the checkpoint ahead. Only the black road. Even with the windows down, there wasn't a single sound to be heard. The teenager's foot trembled above the accelerator, itching to press down and end this challenge. He fought against the urge, knowing that they were timing him and they would know if he was scared and sped up. He glanced at his friend, who was turned away to watch the shadows between the trees. He reluctantly pulled his tension away from the open road and looked out the window. The towering trees of the dark forest were calling him, inviting him to enter into their depths. Just as the car made a broad curve around the mountain, he started to breathe easier. They had to be almost halfway done. Then, out of the corner of his eye, he spotted something strange in the trees, a peculiar shape that made his friend stammer in fear. The young boy turned to look at where his friend was indicated, and he saw the same apparition, the bandage man. He was a ghostly figure, his white form shrouded in gauze and stained with deep crimson. His movements were jerky and unnatural as he crawled out from the trees onto the road. His face was hidden behind rags, creating an unsettling silhouette set against the backdrop of the dark forest. The driver's hands tightened on the wheel as he realized that the stories from his childhood were all true. In the rearview mirror, he saw the figure start to run a lopping pace after him, arms thrashing with strips of white fabric streaming in their wake. So at this point, they can actually speed up, right? Well. Because, I mean, they see it. They've got a story to tell. Now let's get out of here. Throwing out any pretense of courage, the boy pressed hard onto the accelerator, pushing it completely to the floor. He kept his eyes locked on the desperate pursuer behind them. The car raced away on the asphalt with an eardrum-shattering screech, reverberating off the trees and echoing through the mountains. It was a loud, grating sound that seemed to go on forever as it cut through the night air to leave the bandaged man wavering behind. The inexperienced driver drove recklessly, his tires squealing as he spun through turns. His foot never left his gas pedal until he could see the checkpoint ahead of him. He braked hard, skidding to a stop. He expected the stern disapproval from the group of schoolboys, 
but instead was met with a boisterous roar of laughter and the performance of some acting as chickens with their arms waving up and down from the crowd of onlookers. The teenage boy opened the car door and stumbled onto the empty moonlit highway. He pointed a trembling finger down the road, his eyes wide with terror. He shouted that the bandage man was real and that they had both seen him with their own eyes. He begged the boys to believe him, almost as if expecting the spectral figure to appear at any moment. Everyone peered down in the direction that they had come from. It was dark and silent. Then, suddenly it lit up with the headlights that revealed a fleet of souped-up cars and the same boy who had given him his instructions earlier in the evening. They pulled up to the checkpoint and parked their own vintage muscle cars beside his. The terrified boy's mouth dropped as the lead car's back door opened and another teenager emerged from the darkness. Unwrapping the gauze covering his face, all of the teens laughed heartily at the boy, who was beginning to realize that it had all been a prank, a local tradition for those of high school age. Ah, oh, that punk. The only thing that brought the victim a sliver of solace was the knowledge that he would be part of the privileged few who were aware of the secret before sending another unsuspecting young driver down the winding path to face the terrifying bandage man. Rude. How so? What do you mean, how so? That's rude. Well, it's a rite of passage. Oh, uh, yeah. The boy didn't know it was a fake. Those are stupid, though. I know, but a lot of times these local legends are utilized in these rituals and tests of courage. I mean, how many times have you gone into a haunted house just to prove you weren't scared of ghosts, hoping to find something? Yeah. So that's kind of what these boys were challenging him to do. And he did it. Yeah. He didn't know it was a fake. And it's probably passed on for quite a bit of time during the 1960s. I think it's a really good story. I don't like to end it on that one, though. I'm sorry. I wanted something real. And that's just it. It's hard to prove that something that is an urban legend, especially one that, like you said, has been overplayed as a lover's lane monster. Yeah. It's kind of hard to believe in its reality when it's every town has one. That's true. But the bandage man is unique. And Cannon Beach really enjoys having him. And he is a part of their museum, which lists a whole great details about his story and his legend. And they embrace this the tales of the bandage man. Embrace the chaos. Should you be driving Highway 101 of Cannon Beach, Oregon on a dark and stormy night, perhaps you should keep your windows rolled up. You may discover the bandage man. Before we go, I want to remind everyone that we are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about the bandage man. And the Kool-Aid man. And the Kool-Aid man. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast. We are also on Instagram, plus have an email at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com for any of you who would like to share. We hope you enjoyed our stories of the bandage man and we'll come again for another episode. 
Until then, explore the dark, shadowy places and remain constantly curious. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, guys.